I want you to think back, maybe for some of you it won't be uh, that far back into your memory, for others maybe you're maybe dipping back into your childhood perhaps, but I want you to think back to a time when someone who was in a position of authority over your, your life, whether it was a supervisor at work, it was a coach uh, who coached a team you played sports on, uh, maybe it was a grandparent who, who put you behind the wheel of a tractor for the first time, someone who took a a step of, of assigning you a special appointed position, one that was bigger than anything perhaps you had ever done as far as responsibility goes, and yet they believed in you and they trusted in you and they assured you, you can do it. I'll be right here with you. I'll walk you through it. Hand over hand, perhaps. Uh, you know, you've watched me do it. Uh, now I'm going to have you help me do it, and then I'm going to help you do it, and then I'm going to watch you do it, and then I'm going to let you lead. Maybe it was a project at work, and your supervisor uh, called everybody in for a special presentation or a special meeting, and then he looked at you and said your name and said, I want you to lead this. And you thought, oh, no, not me. <laughs> Surely not I. I don't have what it takes. I can't do it. I'm not smart enough, strong enough. I've not been here long enough. I don't have enough experience. I don't have enough uh, leadership clout to pull this off. And your heart kind of sunk. Maybe it was a role in the school play. Maybe it was singing a particular song, the national anthem at a, a sporting event. Or maybe, maybe it was uh, teaching a class at church. Maybe it was something like what we've been asked to consider by Love, Inc. I-N-C stands for the name of Christ. And, and it is, as Jeff described, an opportunity. It's an opportunity for us to shine, an opportunity for us to get to do something bigger than ourselves. And then my first thought when I think of something like that is this scares me to death. And my second thought is, and I'm glad it does, because sometimes I need something bigger than myself to get my blood going and to remind me that I serve a very big God who specializes in taking ordinary, average people and putting them in positions of responsibility or positions of authority, positions to really shine and give God the credit. If you've ever been in one of those kind of opportunities, and you were hesitant on the front end, but something bigger than yourself, you know, as if you're a follower of Christ, more than likely it's the Holy Spirit himself who, come, who gives you what you need, and in the end, when it goes really well, you're so glad you did it. You ever been there? You ever thought, I can't do this, but so-and-so says I can, and they've, they've asked me to do it, and I'm going to step out in faith, and I'm going to do it anyway. And when it goes well, and the crowd cheers, or you get the, uh, the certificate or the acceptance, when, when the mission and the goal pays off, and the vision is reached, and you stand back, and you're so glad you didn't say no because of your insecurity. And we're going to be looking over the next several weeks at people in the Bible who were chosen to do things that in most cases they were hesitant to say yes to. Oh, no, no, no not me. Pick someone else. And usually if you're in a position of recruiting, uh, you, you see that as laziness or apathy on people's parts. Why can't we just get people to do what they need to do? And a lot of times, it's not because they're too busy or too lazy or they don't care enough. A lot of times, they don't believe they can do it. 
and you need to assure them they're right. <laughs> you can't do it, but God can. And you're the person for the job. And that was Moses. In Exodus chapters 3 and 4, we get to see Moses called on by God, called out to by God, to do something huge and tremendous. And Moses was hesitant. I want you to know that confidence comes when you look beyond yourself and beyond others to the one who chose you and you say yes to his call. If you lack confidence, if you're insecure, it's probably because you're self-examining and you decide you don't have what it takes. If you're insecure, it may be because you're looking just slightly beyond yourself to the obstacle. Someone has said, if you have to swallow a frog, don't look at it for very long. <laughs> and if you have to swallow more than one frog, make sure you swallow the bigger one first. <laughs> And you look beyond yourself just enough to say, I don't want to swallow this frog. I'm scared. But if you look beyond the frog, if you look further and you look to God himself, and God's the one you feel like is calling you to do something, you have no reason to be insecure. Because your security is not in yourself. Your confidence, your security is in the one who has chosen you, who has called you to do it. And I want you to know that one person plus God is always a majority. <laughs> and you have what it takes. So the first thing is, we're going to look at two things. The receiving of God's call is the first. Uh, the first thing that we're going to look at. Uh, and and uh, Moses received God's call in a very special way. Uh, Exodus chapter 3, verse 4. Moses was, uh, he was going about his daily routine. He was caring for his father-in-law's sheep when he observed an angel appearing out of a flame from a bush that was on fire. He sees this, this flame, it gets his attention, and to make the scene more intriguing, the bush was burning, but it was not burning up. <laughs> Recently, I took it upon myself to trim some tree limbs uh, out here in the parking lot, and I noticed that a large limb had fallen off the evergreens that are uh, just north of the building here between us and State Road 32, and I lugged this great big thing, had fresh sap dripping off of it out by the burn pit, and it laid out there for a few weeks, and one night at youth group, we had a parent meeting, and I decided I should throw that on the fire, and that thing went up like somebody had put lighter fluid all over it, and I said to Brad Keyes, who oversees our campus ministry, I said, maybe I shouldn't have done that, <laughs> and he goes, yeah. Maybe you shouldn't have. <laughs> and I pulled that thing off. Let me tell you, that was no miracle. That thing was burning up fast, consumed quickly by the flames. And I had to stomp that thing out to get the, the flames to stop. And then I hosed it down with water and drug it away from the building for safety. <laughs> There's a chemistry that goes on. When, when, when dead matter is on fire, it typically it, it, it changes and becomes something else. It becomes gases, and it becomes carbon ashes, and, and, and uh, just a, a pile of potassium there on the, on the ground because, because it gets consumed. This bush was not being consumed. It was on fire. And I'll be honest with you, it's so amazing to me. Every time I study the, the passage of Scripture, something new jumps out. I forget about this angel and the flame thing. 
It's on fire. That's the first thing that catches Moses' attention. He looks over and he sees the bush. It's burning. It's not being burned up. And this flame, and an angel of the Lord is, is, in, is in the flame that gets his, his attention. Exodus 3, verse 4 says, When the Lord saw that Moses had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Now, God obviously used a dramatic miracle to call out to Moses. He even speaks to him with an audible voice. I've never heard the audible voice of God. I know God is capable of speaking to us today. I've never met anyone who has heard the audible voice of God. And Moses is hearing the audible voice of God speaking to him from within this burning bush. And the thing that that the Lord has noticed in Moses is that Moses has turned aside. He's, t- he's taken notice of this. He's just going about his daily routine. He's just wanting to take care of the sheep, find them fresh water, find them fresh food, make sure that everything's okay, get them back in safely, day in, day out. You know, he's glad he's not in Egypt anymore, and he's escaped uh, uh, this crisis he was in there, and he's just kind of trying to exist, trying to live. And he sees this bush, and he turns aside. If you take notes and you want to write that down, turn aside. He turns aside. We don't do enough turning aside today, do we? Is there there enough margin in your life that if God wanted to get your attention, you would notice him? You would notice the burning bush in your life. You would hear the audible voice of God. Is there enough scripture in your head and in your heart that you could hear what God is calling you to do? If the Holy Spirit is wanting to speak to you and wanting to use you, is there enough of God's word saturated in your heart that you've made your, 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 your heart a habitat for the word of God? You know, Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell within you richly. Let it dwell. Make your heart the habitat of God's word, and God will speak to you. The first thing, the second thing, rather, that I see that Moses did, first thing was he paid attention. The second thing was that he showed respect. He was paying attention, and when God spoke to him, he showed God the respect that was due him. Verses 5 and 6 of chapter 3 says, Then he said, God said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. A little leftover observation from verse 4 is Moses' response to God. Here I am, Lord. Here I am. In other words, at your service, Moses, Moses, at your service, Moses, Moses, reporting for duty, sir. Moses, Moses, present, sir, right here. And God calls to you, and you stop long enough to turn aside and notice. You say, here am I. Are you there? I mean, are you dialed in? Are you present? Are you listening to God? Are, are you ready for your assignment? Here I am. Whatever you want me to do, whatever you're you're calling me to, the answer is yes, Lord. Here I am. Send me. Think about the scene when a high-ranking military official walks into a relaxed environment full of corporals and privates, and someone announces, Ten Hut! And all of a sudden, everybody leaps to their feet and gets at attention real quick, and everything is very quiet. No one says a word. Not until the high-ranking official says, At ease. 
And that's Moses' respectful response to the Lord's call. He has paid attention and turned aside, and now he is saying, here I am. And the Lord says, do not come near for you are standing on holy ground. Take off your shoes, which was a respectful way in their culture. When you approached something sacred, you you took off your, your sandals. This was holy ground. And that seems like such a strange comment from the Lord, do not come near, which really could be translated, stop approaching me, you've come far enough. This is holy ground. Later on in Exodus 32, 30, we read that the Lord invites Moses, he comes near to the Lord's presence. God wants us close to him and near him. But as one of the commentaries that I studied read, it said Moses wasn't prepared to come near the Lord yet. Right now, all he knows, he's got a burning bush and there's a flame in it. He's seen an angel of the Lord. He's heard an audible voice and he's coming near. Hey, this is kind of cool. And he's just kind of haphazardly approaching God. And God says, stop coming near. And take off those sandals. If this were a ball game and the national anthem were getting ready to start, you know, and you had your ball cap on, take off your ball cap. That's kind of what, that's kind of what he's doing with these sandals. Take off your sandals. The place where you're standing is holy ground. God's presence is there. And Moses is about to get the biggest assignment he has ever received. The next thing is to, uh, to be inspired. When he received the call, he paid attention, he showed respect, and he should have been more inspired than he apparently was. Verses 7 through 10 says, Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, this is his instruction to Moses, come, I will send you, you're the man for the job, come and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Quick observations about God before we talk about Moses here. Um, God is keenly aware, isn't he? We saw that in the, uh, the series of the seven churches, the, the letters to the seven churches. And every one of them, God says, I know. <laughs> I know. I'm fully dialed in and aware of what's going on with you. Listen to these little expressions in that verse, the verses I just read to you. I have surely seen, I have heard, I know their sufferings, uh, my people's cry has come up to me. God's paying attention. <laughs> it's a beautiful song that Bette Midler sings, God is watching from a distance, but it doesn't line up with the God that we read about here, does it? Because he hears and he sees and he's aware and he cares and he responds God is intimately involved, and he says, so I have come down. <laughs> I thought that was pretty, 
pretty interesting. That's another thing that jumped out fresh to me this time around because when I think of God coming down, what do I think of? Merry Christmas. <laughs> God came near. Jesus is born. God with us. Emmanuel. But here it says, God came down. This burning bush that's speaking to Moses says, I have heard my people. I have seen their affliction. I am well aware of what's going on. I have heard their cries. And so, result, I have come down. Moses needed to remember everything that follows this because the mission was not Moses' mission. It was God's. God himself had come down to set his people free. Not Moses' people. His people. And Moses wasn't the one who was going to be setting them free. God was. This was really God's assignment for himself. Moses was just going to get to get in on it. And so often we try to create the waves when what we need to be doing is watching for the waves that God creates. And we need to ride those waves because God is the one who creates the, the purpose, who creates the vision, who calls us and assigns us great opportunities to shine for his kingdom. And Moses felt insecure, but Moses didn't realize this wasn't about Moses. <laughs> this was about God and his people and his power. When the vision that God calls his people to seems bigger than they themselves seem to them, they need to remember that he is bigger and that nothing is impossible for him. When God sets a vision in place, it's not just a dream of what he'd like to see happen it, or his preferred future like it is when you and I dream and when we set visions. No, for God, it's his plan and it's what he sees and it's what's going to happen. That's different <laughs> because there is a God and I'm not him. And when he sets a vision, that happens. There's an old saying somewhere too that, that vision often precedes resources. That's why so many churches stagnate. And they never move off of go because they're waiting till they have enough, they're waiting till they know enough, waiting till they're, you know, they're, they're big enough, waiting till, wait, 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 stall, 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 stagnate, apathy. Vision, God sized vision, always precedes, almost always precedes resources. And you know why I think that is? Because if we had the resources, if we were big enough, smart enough, powerful enough, we had everything. We could pull it off ourselves. Guess who we'd give the credit to? Look what we did. But when we're dependent on him, he gets the credit. Matthew 5.16 is my favorite verse. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Sometimes we're so humble, we want to do things and be so anonymous that not even God gets the credit. And that's nothing but humanism. <laughs> We should do lots of good deeds and good efforts and good work, but it needs to be done in the name of Christ, and he needs to get the credit, and the gospel needs to be shared, or else it's nothing more than just good deed doing, which is good, but that's not the gospel. It's good, but it's not advancing his kingdom. We want to do things that are so big, if God's not in it, they'll fail. it'll fail, and when God's in it, he gets the credit for its success. Confidence comes. When we look beyond ourselves and others to the one who chose us and say yes to the call. So how do we respond to the call? Real quick, like, look at the five excuses of Moses. And I've counteracted each one of those with God's response. I feel inadequate. But God is present. 
Exodus 3, 11 through 12 says, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Who, who am I? He said, God said, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have, people, when you have brought the people out of, of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. But I will be with you. The verse that Charlie Jones did such a great job reading for us earlier, Joshua 1.9. When God says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Why? Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The next excuse, I don't know enough. Moses says to God, If I come to the people of Israel and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, well, what is his name? Well, what shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. (laughs) You talk about ultimate authority. God says, my name is I am. (laughs) I am. I can't, but I am can, right? And when you speak out in the name of God and you feel like you don't know enough, you feel inadequate, you're not the right person for the job, you don't know enough, he is with you and he is the answer. If you feel like you don't know enough, here's what you need to know. Ready? I'm going to tell you everything you need to know. Write this down quickly. Try to keep up with me. Ready? Jesus. (laughs) There it is. That's all of it. What you need to know is Jesus. I am that I am has sent you. That's the answer. That's what you need to know. I feel inadequate. I don't know enough. The next excuse, I'm not a strong leader. This passage is a little lengthy. (laughs) Chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. Sometimes I get carried away. I'll read quickly. Follow along if you'd like. Exodus chapter 4, verses 1 through 9 says, Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, A staff. He said, Throw it on the ground. He throws it on the ground, and it became a snake, a serpent. And Moses actually ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, Put out your hand and and catch it by the tail. (laughs) How many of you that would have been a tough one for you? (laughs) Yeah. Throw that walking stick down on the ground. Okay. Whoa, snake. (laughs) Now reach down and grab it by the tail. What? Yeah. Oh, Lord, your God is with you. So he put out his hand and he caught it. And then he says to him, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. And he put out his hand, he caught it, and it became a walking staff again. That they may believe that the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. And again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. (laughs) Okay. So he puts his hand inside his cloak. And he puts his hand inside his cloak. And when he takes it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Nobody, nobody wanted leprosy. Does this mean I'm going to yell unclean everywhere I go? My goodness, what did you do to my hand? I should never have trusted this bush. Then God says, put your hand back in your cloak. He puts it back in. This time he pulls it out, and it's restored like the rest of his flesh. God says, if they'll not believe you or listen to the first sign, they may believe the latter sign. And if they will not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile, pour it out on the dry ground, and the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on dry ground. 
a little foreshadowing there for the people as that third sign. I'm inadequate. I don't know enough. I'm not a strong leader. God is present. God answers, and God is the power. The fourth excuse, I'm not good with words, but God provides. Verses 10 through 12, Moses says to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. And the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf, seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. I'm not good with words. God says, I'll, I'll provide. One final excuse. Moses finally says, just send somebody else. You mind asking somebody else? Anybody ever been in recruiting before? Does this not sound, I, I don't, oh, surely not me. Get somebody else. Or, oh, but I don't know enough. I'm not ready. Or, oh, but I'm not a strong leader. I'm not very persuasive. Or, well, oh, I don't ever speak on stage. I, don't, I you know, oh, I could never. I'm not a smart man. I'm not willing. That's honest. And it kind of gets God, it gets God really upset. <laughs> Look at what he says. He said, oh, Moses says, oh, my Lord, verse 13, chapter 4. Oh, my Lord, please just send someone else. The anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know he can speak well. Behold. He is coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put, put the words in his mouth, and I will speak with your mouth and with his mouth, and I will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people, and he shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand the staff with which you shall do the signs. And get going, basically. And we're not talking about this anymore. I'm not willing. For that one, the response, the answer that I gave it, I thought about this one long and hard. It was the most difficult. He rallies us together. And the reason I put that on there was God's answer to Moses, just send somebody else. God says, I'll send Aaron with you. I know he can speak well. I have a feeling I, God knew all along. Moses can do this. Moses doesn't think he can. I'm going to send Aaron with him, a spotter in weightlifting, so to speak, right? Training wheels on a bike, I know he can ride. I'll take some of the pressure off of him, and he can do what I'm calling him to do. He just needs to get going. I feel inadequate, God says I'm present. But I don't know enough, God says I'm the answer. He says I'm not a strong leader, God says I'll give you the power. He says I'm not good with words, God says I'll provide. He says I'm just not willing to go. But he rallies us together. Confidence comes when you look beyond yourself and others to the one who chose you. Say yes to his call. There is a reason that we do church. The word ecclesia for church means assembly, coming together. We could do most of what we do at home by ourselves. You can buy grape juice and even unleavened bread at the store. <laughs> you can give online. There's a lot of things you can do by yourself. You can listen to praise music. You can hear a good sermon or two, or read them. There's a reason we come together. And I think it's this last excuse. 
I don't think I should do it. God calls us together, puts us in unity and harmony together, gives us an assignment and says, now go get, get, get on it. Get, get to work. And church, that's us. We want to shine collectively as one body, one united effort together. Not a hand and a foot and an ear, but one body working together for the cause of the kingdom to reflect glory onto the one who made us and who called us. Pray with me. Father God, I thank you for your love and thank you, God, for your, your trust in us. God, you are not a risk taker because you know the future. <laughs> It'd be insider trading on your part because, God, you know. And if you've called us to do things bigger than ourselves, we know that you'll provide. And at the end of the day, God, when you do, would you please take all the credit and the glory because it truly belongs to you. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you, Lord, for our greatest battle that's already been won. Our sins have been washed clean by the blood of your son, our lamb, if we'll but accept his gift. God, I pray that you would move freely in this service today, that if there is anyone here who has never made life's most important decision, that God, that they will allow others to come around them and to show them, Father, how they can be born again into you and become a follower of you, become a part of something bigger than themselves, be a part of this oneness that we have in you. God, we love you. We thank you for Jesus, your son, and your Holy Spirit, God. And once again, we pray your, your, your way happen in this service. In Jesus' name, amen.